So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Archie and Leo here with you today for episode 20 of 2020. And while it's been a bit of a disappointing year around the world, some of the rugby that we're seeing at the moment is just on fire. We saw a couple of actual absolute blowout matches on the weekend. Leo, you must have enjoyed watching your Reds um, take apart these this Western Force team. Yeah, look... Reds were absolutely on a high, and I, I feel bad for the Force because I just think they're they're just faltering now. Uh, late in the season, they've they've done a lot of travelling; they haven't been at home, so you know it's not a it's not a really pleasant feeling to just see oh, the yeah. Reds beating them up. But they, I mean, they weren't terrible in this game by any means. They certainly um, put it to them; they kept it close initially. But it's very very good to see the Reds. Um, meeting their potential, finding finding a whole lot of points on the park and playing the full 80, guys putting in big shifts and, and not letting the force try and have it their way just in the last death um, plays there either. Absolutely. And, yeah, like, we can go back to it. We t- I talked about it um, with Toby. We've talked about it before. Like, it's going to be very hard for these guys to compete on the road for so long. And just when they're um, a team that's not got any sort of assured future to bring in some big names to try and stabilize it but they are putting together something i think they are showing glimpses and i think if they get rugby back in perth um i'd love to make sure that we do have the western force around but 57 to 5 um the Re- the reds really sort of showed their class and i think um no two more than uh tate mcdermott and james o'connor in this yeah they absolutely stamped their authority on, on claims for the 9 and 10 for the Wallabies for mine. They both had an outstanding game. Tate McDermott with two tries, including a very cheeky dart down the sideline. Um, that that Just the glimpse in the peripheral vision of, of a, a vacant sideline there, and, and he zipped away, and that's exactly what you want out of your halfback, someone who's looking to attack at all times, someone who picks their opportunities well and, and doesn't just carry it into into no man's land and, and get the get the ball turned over. Um, he was really, really good in this game. Finished the game on the wing. Uh, so, obviously, a few few losses there for the Reds, unfortunately. Um, forcing them to do a few switcheroos. And, um, but, they, you know, they managed it well. For, as a team that lost their centre pairing by the end of the game, like, they were still piecing things together. And players like Hegarty stepping up, stepping into the 10 role, letting James O'Connor float a bit wider. That actually yep. worked really well. Hegarty just did his job, delivered the ball well, and let O'Connor set up a number of tries. So I think he's actually I think he's got the leading um, leading try assist uh, mm. stat for this competition as well, and he would have added a couple more uh, on the weekend. So those guys just they just look really switched on. There's a combination developing; it's already pretty good, and it's it's only going to get better. I, I really think they should be in strong consideration for the Wallabies, even though neither of them are the incumbent. With O'Connor playing there um, more as a thirteen last year, yeah, 
which is pretty amazing when you see sort of the switching around these done. Obviously, he played a little bit of 10 for the Wallabies back um, in the British and Irish Lions sort of series, um, but was never sort of established as a fly half there previously, and he's just sort of taken hold of that position. And just his sort of offload game as well um, for a couple of these tries, getting the hand free out and around, um, just popping up the ball for for the likes of Fraser McBride, another player who had an absolutely outstanding game in this one to run on to. Um, it really, it's really sort of good to see um, that he can bring that sort of form um, into the number ten position. And I and I think you're right. I think that is absolutely what we'd like to see from our um, number ten um, going forward in the national sort of selection. It's more sort of what you see like Mawanga can do and things to create get through tackles and create something more sort of behind the line. Yeah, he's certainly not hesitant running it up. I think pretty much every match this year, their first backline play has been a straight hit up for O'Connor. He's just carried the ball in the contact. Just, I guess that just sets in their mind of the defense that he's going to run the ball, makes, make sure that they're going to commit to him. He's not just going to shuffle the ball out through the hands. Um, and, and yeah, setting up all those players like, I think at one point he put Taniella through a gap. Uh, he put Fraser McWright over the line. He's involved all across the park. Um, did a bit of kicking as well before Hegarty came on. Just, you know, looking a very complete 10. Good good with ball in hand. Good good playmaking, good decision-making, good kicking, good place kicking. Uh, I really I really can't fault him in on, on that game. That's his best showing of the season and... I, I just don't see anyone else at the moment competing as consistently as him. So yeah. in, in the time when Rennie's going to get to pick his squad, his you know, new coach, new cycle, I would hope that uh, O'Connor's there under consideration uh, as a 10 and isn't isn't seen as, I suppose, he's, even though he's got the utility skill set as a guy we can roll into the centres if things start looking a bit thin there. Yeah, well, that's obviously been the problem that we keep highlighting with people like Hodge, someone that um, could potentially play 10 but then plays in different positions and gets shifted around so much when he hits that national stage. Um, you mentioned it already, the the fact that the centres went down, Hamish Stewart with a hip pointer injury and Josh Fluke, unfortunately, um, getting his starting debut uh, in the 13 position, probably with a dislocated shoulder. So these... Red centres are dropping like flies at the moment. That's three in two weeks with Hunter Paisami going out the week before. Um, Paisami likely will be back. Definitely need him for the final round encounter for the Brumbies. Yeah, well, the Reds, as we've discussed before we started recording, the, the latter at the moment, the Reds have now sealed up their position in the finals. They they won't necessarily be hosting the what, what we'll call the qualifying final or the preliminary final. Yep. Um, they, they need to beat the Brumbies at home to secure that, depending on how the other games for the Waratahs and Rebels play out in the next two weeks. Oh, I think even um, if the, the Brumbies would have to lose to the Force this weekend to lose sort of um, the home final um, at this stage. Oh, no, sorry. I think I think the, if more for the Reds, if they can beat the Brumbies, then at least they'll have locked up second. Um, oh, yeah. Not expecting yeah, the, the Brumbies to be, to be dropping out of first. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so yeah, the center issue, I, I mean, that could be fr- as frustrating a, a thing for the Reds as, as being, um, something that forces their hand. Maybe they do have to revert if, if they don't have enough guys available, do they have to revert to the Higgity 
James O'Connor ten twelve combination as a mm. as a fixed as a starting fixture. Um, not that it showed to be really much much worse than um, the the James O'Connor and Hamish Stewart combination. Really, that Hegarty was quite proficient there at ten with O'Connor outside, but I would just it would just irritate me. It would take O'Connor out of the spotlight as a as a ten, and maybe they'd start thinking of him as a twelve, and then. You know, you could end up with a horrible tumour combination. Yeah, it's just not doesn't play out how we hope. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like you sort of highlighted last week, this week, uh, if we don't have Paisami, we'll probably we'll see Patea go back to that thirteen jersey. They are still looking like they're trying to limit his minutes, um, but he definitely looks right back at home there. He looks like um, a dynamic sort of ball carrier, still breaking tackles um, and solid in defence. But yeah, in the end of this one, they ended up taking him off and that's what switched um, McDermott out to the wing. They'd rather keep McDermott on for the 80 and make sure Patea gets his rest after about 60 minutes. Yeah, it was a big 60 minutes. He was getting himself involved. He was running even after the the change at uh, centre. He was still out on the wing, but he was running a 13 line at times, coming in sort of mid-back line and taking crash balls. So <laughs> still looking very dynamic, very athletic, breaking tackles. Um, if they if they have to take him off after sixty just to just to manage him back into full match fitness, then so be it. He's, he's just a you know a great great skillful player to see on the field. He, he makes the game more exciting. So mm. hope he hope he manages to stay healthy this season and and for many more. The um the forwards though it shouldn't um, go on too much about the backs. Like again, another really strong forwards performance. Uh, line out was better this week. Panga Ramosa keeping it nice and straight most of the time. Um, Angus Blythe just continuing to be overlooked in all the teams of the week. Just, I, I just don't understand it. I don't know what game they're watching if they don't see this massive, smiling, happy guy dominating his opposition as as an asset. I, I don't get it. Um, people talk about how big Lucan is, and you see him standing next to Angus Blythe. Angus Blythe's got you know a couple of inches on him. Like um, that, they're playing really solid game, getting go forward, get the getting the, the back rowers ranging out around them and supporting. That's where you're getting those support lines and the offloads. Um, Fraser McWright, Harry Wilson and Liam Wright all just tearing it up. Uh, yeah. Not to mention the front row. So just across the, across the pack and across the backs, uh, just a really solid team performance and one I'm sure Brad Thorne will be really stoked with. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Like Angus Blythe just... It's strange how little people are talking about this 19-year-old, like, 115-kilo, 204-centimetre. He's got the height, he's got the weight, um, and he looks like he's got the skills. And he's sort of, on the weekend, he sort of didn't have a huge amount of carries and runs, but he's he's putting in those hard yards, like, he's making sort of 12 of 13 tackles, solid in defence, solid in terms of just generally being at rucks and making sure that we're, the Reds were securing ball, so... I really hope that Rennie's see, seeing the same thing we are, even if um, the reporters and commentators aren't quite recognising it um, and got this guy's name sort of pencilled in because it wasn't in Rennie's sort of initial list that he put out. He didn't have Blythe down there in one of the locks. And I don't think he's been listed in the most recent one either. Didn't, didn't we get a more recent one this week? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He wasn't in that one. Yeah, you so had to see the likes of um, Trezor, Jose and Matt Phillips. Caden Neville even in those, um, but not Angus Blythe. And and not to say those guys aren't having a great time too. Like we've talked about Jose, we've, we've mentioned um, Neville, we've 
we have talked about Matt Phillip and whether he's warranted uh, a spot since he's leaving. Angus Blythe is sticking around. He's 22. He's one of these young young breakouts like Liam Wright, just having an absolute wind of a season. And uh, yeah, I, I see him definitely mixing amongst those guys. I I hope he's not overlooked when it does come to selection time. As for the force, the um, there's probably very few guys that are going to get. Uh, considered from that group, unfortunately, like obviously the the team not being in good form and not really performing for the full 80 minutes hurts everyone's chances. But they have talked a lot about Fergus Lee Warner, who's playing six on the weekend, mm. has been playing lock. Um, he's another guy with a bit of utility there. Again, a guy you, you'll get, I guess, a better read on when he's playing with a better group. I'd like that they are keeping a few people like this in mind because you know that they can do better when they're surrounded by more structure and, and you know, they, they're with a team uh, as a as a unit, you know, in a bit of a camp. They'll You'll get more out of them. They can see the potential there. Uh, maybe whether the the lack of really dominant centres opens the door for someone like Cole Godwin. Yeah. I think he's been, he's been performing reasonably well. His kicking's been, um, you know, fairly good. Uh, he hasn't sort of blown anyone away, but he's but he's pretty dogged and he's he runs the ball hard. He defends hard, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, um, and obviously he's going to be in the Waratahs outfit next year. So uh, if he's earned the right this year, they know that he's going to be developing further combinations with with some of the other guys likely in the Wallaby squad. Mm-hmm. People like Maddox, probably Harrison, maybe James Ram. Um, you know that that's that's a guy you can invest in early and brings a bit of experience where we could have a lot of young guys this year Absolutely. and is actually a dedicated center too. Isn't, isn't a utility that's been shifted around. It's a guy who's been playing center consistently. Um, not someone who's swung in from 10, swung up from fullback in from the wing. Um, you know, there's, there's some, some benefit to, to taking that angle as well. Absolutely, and yeah, you kept seeing it. He was sort of always seemed to be the last defender chasing down one of those reds sort of breakaway, and he was making a lot of sort of last-ditch tackles, um, definitely saving uh, a few of the points, even more points that the reds could have put on. Speaking of dedicated centres, that probably brings us to the other game of the weekend, the Brumbies-Waratahs, and we sort of said this was sort of a chance for the Waratahs. They were on a bit of a streak. And then we got these lineups, um, and we got a bit of interesting lineups from the Brumbies with a whole host of changes. I think there was sort of six, seven, eight changes um, from their normal lineup with the likes of Falau Fainger, Joe Powell, um, and Tavita Kurandrani all rested for this. You see the likes of Caden um, Neville, we mentioned his name before, he's come back into the starting side after missing the initial um, start of Super Rugby AU with injury. And Lockie McCaffrey getting the start at six, Ryan Lonigan at there at eight, and Solomon Akate um, coming in from the wing to play thirteen. So a whole host of changes, and I saw this team. And I, I was looking at it and thinking, hey, maybe maybe the Brumbies have uh, messed up here, and maybe they are going to get um, a little bit taken by surprise by this Waratahs team. But I mean, it, it goes to show it's it's sort of reminiscent of what the Crusaders do where they have the systems in place and yeah, they can flick around a few different people and they manage to um, sort themselves out and fit into the right sort of positions because, I mean, the Brumbies were pretty dominant here from early on. I mean, a few interesting TMO decisions um, for going the Brumbies way, including 
I mean, we'll talk about it in a sec, including something that's been refed completely differently a week ago for the Tars. Um, but the Brumbies, they take this one 38-11, um, a double for Pete Samu and Tom Wright, a double as well. So um, a few individuals really standing up for the Brumbies. Yeah, they, they were strong. Obviously, it was 11-12 uh, to 12 Brumbies in, in the lead at halftime. Uh, it's looking close. Guys like Dempsey, Harrison, um, even even we saw a little bit more out of Joey Walton, a few a few defenders beaten there for him. Um, Maddox had a pretty good game. Uh, Jake uh, Ram was pretty good, um, but it was I guess that's it. It was kind of a lot of guys were pretty good but not good enough. Mm. Um, the the Brumbies were very strong and they really uh, blew them out in the second half. That just started taking over. That's where. You know, Pete Sam, Pete Samu going wild in open, open field, and um, Tom Wright again picking up his double in the second half. It's just the the usual suspects, I guess. Even with those guys subbed into odd positions, I don't think Carter did much at thirteen. To be honest, I think he he dropped a couple of balls trying to take a fairly flat hit up. Maybe something he's not used to. Yeah. Um, they 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 did look good as well when uh, Nick White came on. He he. He looked pretty sharp late in the game. That's when, right. When Nick he got White his opportunity. Yeah, and and if he puts in a couple more games like that, I'm I can't be against seeing him in the squad. I I don't like guys on a you know a, a year old reputation being flown in and and getting opportunities ahead of people who've been playing in the domestic competition in good form, you know, giving their best every week to be usurped by a, a fly-in player, but. Obviously, we knew he was coming back. He was always going to be part of this Brumbies outfit. He will feature through the finals, which they will have a role in. And, you know, looks looks good. It's, it's another guy for uh, McDermott and Powell and <clears throat> Jake Gordon to aspire to match mm. match up to. I mean, I, from what I saw, even in this sort of brief stint for him, I just that solidifies me that he's probably your number one. Um, like, he's... Brings an energy as soon as he comes on. He's sort of playing silly buggers, t- pretending to take quick taps up to the scrum straight away. Uh, he's got that maniacal smile with a big mustache um, coming on, and he just looks—it looks a typical sort of halfback that other teams love to hate. Um, but he's he's ripping passes out wide to give um, Tom Wright his second try, and I think I think he put on enough of a show here, but. That just opens up the question. Now, what do the Brumbies do? They now have probably four... Look, you can argue about Isaac Fines, but um, four legitimate halfbacks that can probably start at super rugby level. What do they do from here? They need to share them around. (laughs) Yeah, like, what what do the Brumbies do, first off, for um, their last two weeks of this season? Do do you go back and start Powell, who you just rested for a week? Do you give Nick White a bit more time? Do you give Lonigan a bit more time? I don't know. Like, yeah, it's tough. Lonigan, Lonigan had a good game, um, but still, still young, um, and you know, it's very hard to try and take take the spot. You have to be pretty outstanding to take the spot from Joe Powell, who I think they will start next week, and Nick White coming back in and looking pretty sharp. I think they'll give him a couple of games off the bench uh, if he's can continuing to just fire bullets from the base of the ruck and and Powell missteps at all, then maybe the transition happens for the finals. 
Um, but look, you'd be, you'd be pretty happy with, you know, 50 minutes of one and 30 minutes of the other at the moment. Yeah. Um, Nick, Nick White's passing game did stand out. Like he's obviously all the things you said, he's, he's a personality, but he's also a, um, you know, he's a bit of a prankster in, in ways as much as you like the fake tap. I think I like the quick taps that score tries to make McDermott, but, um, like that's, that's a good, it's a good asset to have. And, Powell just needs to be consistent. He's gotten better the last couple of years. He's picked his opportunities to snipe uh, better times. He's he's been a, an architect of a few tries off the quick tap and dart. Um, you know, not not much they can really do wrong. And and Lonigan gets to develop behind them, and Isaac finds to a degree as well. I think that they can't sustain having all four of them long term. They just the the, bet, the young guys won't get the opportunities, but. Uh, I, I honestly think Powell deserves to maintain his starting spot and Nick White will be the second fiddle until really they, they decide that they just they can't afford not to have him on. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see someone like Ryan Lonigan, who I think has a lot of potential, probably leave um, the Brumbies at this stage and go somewhere where he can get a bit more game time, a bit more starting time. Um, like seeing him move down to the Rebels or something, which... I guess it's hard to make moves at this stage where you don't know what the future of some of these clubs is going to be. Um, and at the moment, I think, despite sort of what whispers have been, and there was sort of news in the in the week prior to it with, like, Staniforth from the Tars speaking out and saying the Brumbies need to be remain in sort of super rugby as the Australian teams and things, which I don't, I don't think anyone would ever sort of say that the Brumbies should be cut. They're, they're one of the most successful Australian rugby super franchises be more likely someone's trying to merge them with someone um but you'd like to see people get their opportunity and it, and it is tough for the likes of Lonigan when um when he's stuck behind Joe Powell and Nick White um going into this game I want to ask what do you think like we saw some questionable posi- uh, decisions from the TMO first first off Lonigan's try at the start the the chip through he ran forward, very similar to what happened to Jake Gordon last week, um, passing back from the ruck and then starts to move him forward as the fly half chips it. He runs through. And they went to the TMO. He dived on the ball. He got a good grounding. It was very obvious that he was in front of the ball at the kick because there was a 22-metre line and Bailey Kunzel was behind it and Lonigan was in front of it. But the TMO this week, as opposed to last week, said it wasn't conclusive enough, awarded the try. Then we saw the TMO. What what do you think of the Pete Samu decision, actually? Do you think that he was in for his second try? He came out at the end of the game and said he thought he was out. Yeah, those ones are hard. Like, it's so dependent on the camera angle. You think you can see, like, a sliver of green between a, a player's body or, or foot and the line. Um, and some, you know, is it a shadow? Is it is it actually grass? You know, if they, if they could blow it up, would there be a, a white blade of grass tickling someone's stud, like, when it's like that, it's not as it's not as egregious a mistake as the the Lonningham one, which for me was black and white. It was in front of the kicker, never put on side prior to advancing. And the I mean the the one they picked pulled up last week. If they applied that same amount of rigor, um, judging offside as they did for Jake Gordon. You'd have people offside every time it turns into a, a kicking contest. Like someone always takes a couple of steps forward and then is told by the ref pull up. 
or or they just you know jog it through and they're sort of so far out of the play no one really pays it any any mind and and to to then allow that one after like you said the previous weeks just I, I sometimes I wonder if they spend any time during the week talking to one another, preparing, resetting their kind of um, decision-making baselines on on what constitutes an offside or what should be reviewed, and they just show up and oh no, I think that's okay. Oh, that's that's not conclusive. I think they showed one replay for that that kicking offside, and they like it was barely barely a glimpse, and it just looked looked offside straight away to me and they, and they let it play which again against the Waratahs trying to stay in, stay uh, competitive and beat the top team it's a bit of a it's a bit of a heartbreaker that sort of stuff yeah it absolutely is what just we'll come back to this game a little bit more in depth but compared to a, the TMO compared to the Reds TMO where you had almost like instantaneous decisions what did you think? What did you like more? Did you like the idea um, in the Brumbies of going and actually watching the replays, or did you enjoy sort of the rapid sort of decision where as soon as the answer goes, no, he was in touch, or no, it was a knock on, yeah, no, it's fine, scored the, he scored the try. Did you like that, or do you think that's taking away a little bit? You want to go through the replays yourself? No, I, I, I don't think there's anything lost when something is so obvious that the TMO can basically have, have watched it live almost or watch one replay and it's simply the ref didn't have the angle, the linesmen um, were too far away, you know, a guy drops a ball over the line, the ref's like, oh, look, I saw him laying on it, what did you see? They watched it for half a second, yeah, he's clearly dropped it. Like, for the sake of keeping the game going, they're always looking for ways to speed things up, uh, reduce the standing around, that's absolutely a positive. Um Obviously, there's there's risk if you allow that to be to be the the method for the TMO in any situation. There's risk that they overlook something because they you know you're balancing. It's a compromise. You're trying to be as efficient as possible with your decision making, but not make mistakes. At some point, someone will make a mistake. Um, but I think when it's that obvious, it's really good to get a quick decision. And when it's not, you know, let let they do create their own. Um, they do create their their own you know stories for the papers and and the blogs and the websites and podcasts when they go through you know in detail reviewing something let everyone have their opinion and then it's a bit of a you know waiting waiting still. waiting well yeah that's not good but you know we, we sit there and we watch and we see it and we're talking about why we think it is or it isn't a try why he's out why he's offside why it's infringed why it's a penalty trial whatever it is like that's not a bad thing for the spectators, but if they do it all the time and on, we have seen them replay things that are just so obvious and they go, Oh, and I've got one last angle, Daniel. And they just keep going and you're like, can you please get on with it? So, yeah. you know, time and place. It's, I, I like that they have the opportunity to do that. And in that game, I think it was used pretty effectively. Fair enough. Um, going back to this Brumbies game and, Look, I think you've already highlighted that there weren't that much to talk about from the Waratahs sort of side. Looking at the Brumbies... Dempsey deserves, Dempsey deserves a mention. Yeah, you he, said Dempsey. He's someone who's been rising for me. And um, and I'd, I think I'd... Horton had another had a couple of errors just before he went off, but first half was still quite strong. He set up that Dempsey try. You sure, saw, yep. like, like you sort of mentioned, that sort of Dane Coles-esque out on the wing, able to make a couple of tackle breaks and get an offload to set up that try. It was good. 
yeah, and this is a guy who's been plucked out of obscurity. Um, you know, he's I think he's come out of Sydney Uni, been signed up, and he's just immediately brought more energy, more more um, dynamic play to that support running in the backs. Um, needs to be needs to be in consideration as a as a bolter for the Wallabies. I think I'm not interested in any of these, um, you know, older experienced gents that we we've, we've got floating around. Like if anyone. If anyone tells me Robbie Abel's, you know, deserves a deserves a run, it's like you, you don't just get a ticket by being involved for ten years. Like, get Horton in there. You've got Flowerfinger is obviously the the number one. I don't know if Ulysses deserves it honestly. Um, I think BPA is putting in pretty pretty big yards, pretty big effort. Um, you know, these are the guys that deserve the opportunities, and and I'm glad Horton's a starter now. I think he's going to own that for the Waratahs last game and. They make finals. I think he'll be there too. So that that was the other interesting thing coming out of Dave Rennie's list, um, which is he has come out and said, "Look, it's it's shifting all the time." Obviously, we saw the change between just more Waratahs getting onto this second time after their recent form, but recency bias. <laughs> well, Connell McInerney was on it as the third hooker, who got the start for the Brumbies here. Which, look, he's had reasonable games on and off. He scored some tries on the back of those mauls. But it was really strange, I thought, to see that it was Flaufang, uh, Jordan Ulysses and Connell McInerney, um, and BPH didn't didn't get a mention on it. Yeah, BPA over Connell McInerney, like nothing against the guy, but BPA is is more deserving. And uh, for me, over Ulysses too, like his line-out throwing and his just general play has not been consistent. I've seen him fall over that many rucks. Um, not someone I'd be bringing into the... To the system, I know BPA looks a, a bit out of shape, but you know, measuring measuring on his contribution, not on what he looks like, um, he's putting in a massive effort. He comes off uh, late in the game, and he's absolutely shattered because he's put in. He's been chasing all the all the breakaways and and putting in all those eff- putting in all that effort running support lines. Um, I, I don't understand why Connell McInerney is is suddenly in favour, like. I think he scored a try off the back of them all, but we've seen Falafaing do that ten times over, so mm. that's nothing special there. You, you or I could probably do that in the Brumby side. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's pretty. You're pretty assured if you're in that position, they'll put you in a position to score. Um, yeah, I was I was a bit surprised by that. Um, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see how it ends up panning out. The matchups we sort of had um, looked at last week for this, we didn't get to see a couple of them, um, obviously, with Power not playing. Um, we talked about the back row. You talked about Dempsey being going well. Samu obviously had a couple of tries in this one. Where would you put those two in sort of the pecking order um, for the back row? Do you think Samu is, is more likely to get um, a position to... Probably They're probably looking for bench positions at this stage, are they? Yeah, look, it's it's in my mind. I've I've already sort of gone on at length week to week on what my ideal back row is. Um, I don't know if there's a, a version where Valentini plays six and that lets Harry Wilson in, and then if you've got them there, is someone like Rob Valentini who wasn't rested but was on the bench in this game in in favour of Lockie McCaffrey, um, like is there a version where Pete Samu or, or Dempsey Usurps. So, Pete Samu's. It'd be interesting to see how Rennie sees him because obviously something went down with Checker and, and Pete Samu went off 
off color, off favor with yeah. him. Um, Pete's, I guess it's it's almost his uh, physique. It kind of it throws you a bit with with thinking he's not that tall, but obviously he's actually I think he's six two and he's just so so broad that he he just looks kind of short and stocky. Um, like he and Dempsey are playing a similar sort of role. Like they're supporting well. I think Pete Summers has been doing it for a bit more this this season, but they're playing a, a big like ball uh, ball running role. Lots of support lines, uh, a bit of pilfering, like fairly well rounded game. The thing they're probably not hugely involved in, perhaps, is the line out. Like, but I mean, there's always room for one back row not to be particularly line out heavy. So they're definitely in the discussion for that bench spot. I think I, I I can't see either of them at the moment being the starter, um, given my biases. But definitely in the squad, and definitely competing for, I guess what would be the twenty jersey, uh, in the, in the standard five three split. You did you didn't give me a rank then? Who who are you putting up above each other? Dempsey higher, oh, Samu higher. I think Samu would be higher because. He's. I'll give it to him off. Off. You know, being as good more consistently this season. Uh, Dempsey's rising, and by the end of you know another two weeks, potentially Dempsey is is looking uh, better. But I think at the moment Samu deserves uh, deserves to be in that mix. Like he's, yeah, he's just looking really fleet of foot, and he's scoring tries where. You know, so I think there's other back rowers who just wouldn't make that ground and get over the line. So yeah. I think Sam is deserving, he's, and he's still got that pilfering threat. Fair enough. Um, we talked about Powell and Jake Gordon. I don't think Jake Gordon had a particularly outstanding game in this one. Um, potentially, again, on the back of the Brumbies just being that dominant and holding onto the ball, and it just seemed like the, the Waratahs never really got a good bit of momentum go forward. We talked about Maddox and Banks. Do you really do you have a sort of standout? Banks has still not quite hit his straps, I don't think. He's not quite um being that sort of damaging runner, finding those gaps and just using his speed to his best ability here. Um but I don't think we saw that much out of Maddox. It's still a little bit of a coin toss for me between those two. Yeah, and, and this game and the conditions they played in didn't really facilitate an expansive game like there was there was a bit of the kicking contest trying to get um, guys under pressure to to put the ball down, but it wasn't it wasn't as big an open running game. They still, particularly the Brumbies, relied heavily on their forwards uh, to create the platform and and then you know made made good use of a few opportunities down down wide and a few kicks. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a draw for me. Like I, I don't think either of them really shone through in this game, but. Um, Look, the the Waratahs this week will be playing for their season, and if Banks doesn't produce, I think I'm still I think I'm still on Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he again, like maybe as well, he's not asked to do as much in the Brumbies. They have been so dominant in the forwards, um, scoring points. Like um, the the backs haven't had to do a lot. The the bet the best out of the backs in the Brumbies, obviously Tom Wright um, has been fantastic. Um, but you know, and the centres, the, the the kicking, the territory kicking game has really set the forwards up to make good meters and and score points. So maybe Banks hasn't been as utilised. Yeah, I think, and that was the other matchup: Tom Wright versus James Ram. And I think you can agree that Wright wins that one pretty hands down, and probably is 
um, put his name firmly in that uh, Wallabies squad at this stage. Um, But, like, this was probably a stage where Banks probably could take more of a central role because thinking about the starting back line, you had Bailey Kunzel sort of as the front line. You had Irei Simone, who I do want to highlight had, I think, an excellent game in this, was really sort of influential in getting the ball out to where it needed to be, threw the cutout to Pete Samu for his first try, um, sort of straightened the attack and giving sort of late passes through again. I think he definitely deserves um, first crack at the 12 jersey in my mind, um, whether that's the same opinion as the selectors. Um, But outside him, you had your sort of normal wingers there, but you'd had a new 13, a new 9-10 pairing, this was really probably a situation where Banks could probably make a bit more of a um, cement his name sort of in a, in a Wallabies squad and in a starting position. But yeah, it doesn't quite seem like he's back to to 100% form at the moment. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When when Simone's picking guys out and, and Tom Wright's been so dominant, um, perhaps that's part of it too. But, I mean, it was an opportunity. In one sense, it was an opportunity to step up and be a little bit more involved. Um, you know, there's definitely plenty of times where they ran Carter as a decoy and it went out the back. Yeah. And I think we saw, um, yeah, Banks just sort of transferring it out and supporting. But, you know, when when Tom Wright makes the break and beats the tackle, he, he doesn't really need the supporting runner. So yeah. um, that's that's just what you get. I, it's, it's hard. And, and like I said, the conditions weren't really conducive to a lot of, um, expansive play and I think the Brummies played them pretty well they they did what I expected them to do which was focus on the Waratahs forwards yeah. uh, win that contest don't give them too good a platform and then just allow allow the talent in the back line to shine through stick with your forward set piece when you're in the right position up the field so um, th- there will be more opportunities for Banks um, you know it keeps it interesting for us still at two weeks uh, if the Waratahs can scrape into the finals, Banks gets another game yeah. uh, to, to try and uh, prove himself. And uh, yeah, it's, it seems like Hodge and Hodge and DHP have been fairly, you know, vanilla so far this season too. So really, the fullback spot uh, with people like uh, he who should not be named and Curtly Bill not being around, like it's a lot more wide open, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. All right, going on to next week, and we have the Reds on by, and the Brumbies hosting the Force on Friday night, and it just doesn't get easier for the Force. They um, go down by 20, then they go down by 52, and it's going to be a little bit more of the same, I think. There's bruised and battered Force going into GIO Stadium. You may well see a bit of a... Um, alternate lineup for the Brumbies. A few more changes in this week, I, I suspect, to make sure they have a good sort of core of experience and talent and momentum in the entirety of their squad moving forward. Um, Brumbies by 40, 50, do you say again? Who do you think's got more of an attacking prowess, the Reds at the moment or the Brumbies? It's a really good question. I guess the Brumbies in their forward pack are not as explosive and and so they, I don't think they play at the same pace. So the Reds really picked up the pace uh, against the Force. They were really setting the tempo to this game. The Brumbies 
in in as much as they use their forward pack and the set piece well, it's not as high paced a game. Uh, it's probably saying Nick White could potentially lift for them. I think the Brumbies. I don't think the Brumbies would outscore the Reds for that reason. I, I think they're probably unless they do just kick it into the corner and just lay mall after mall after mall over the line. Um, that you know, I, I would like to see a bit more. Maybe it would be a good Banks game. See a bit more out of him and Simone and TK, but they just don't quite play at the same frantic pace that the Reds have shown they have tried to. So I think the Brumbies probably, you know, I think it's probably in the range of 40, though. The, the force would really need to step up down in Canberra on what's bound to be another cold night um, down down in the ACT. I think the Brumbies will definitely blow them off the park. Um, hopefully the force have those key players. To, um, hopefully the force have those key players performing well and, and giving themselves a Brumbies chance. I, th- I think that's really necessary. We talk about the future of the force and their value. If if no one ever gets selected out of the force, even though they're eligible, kind of gives, doesn't give you any reason to have that fifth team, does it? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really give much stock to anyone wanting to go over and put their name down with them. The other probably more interesting game, because it's do or die here for the Waratahs, they're playing away from home, and you can't see I'm doing quotation marks, at Leichhardt Oval, with the Rebels hosting them. Um, and really, this is the Waratahs must win this to give them a chance to go into the finals now. I mean, they're, they've got the Rebels who then play the fourth the week after, so you'd think that they're at least going to have another four points, and the Waratahs are only ahead of them by one at this stage, so... Really, the Waratahs need to win, either with a bonus point or stop the Rebels getting a bonus point to, to solidify a chance to finish third. Yeah, that's right. And really, also, um, you know, it's do or die for the for the Rebels too because if the Waratahs can, can blow them out, well, that's a five-point lead, sorry, a six-point lead, and, and that means they're out too, no matter what happens against the Force. So, big contest. Um to to expect, I guess, at, at Leichhardt, the Waratahs not going to feel at home, but when have the Waratahs had a, a normal home stadium for a season in recent years anyway? Um, good contest. There's, this is, there's a lot of question mark players um, we want to we see more of. I don't, I don't know what to pick with this one. It's it's sort of hard. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like the composition of either team at the moment. Um I think the Waratahs. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going into a corner here. I have no idea. That's that's some fantastic analysis there from our. Expert. Can I just start again? That was just, that was awful. <laughs> I, I have no idea for this game. I just don't know what to say. Like, who's got the better forward pack? I don't know. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, the Waratahs let's, could let's maybe like inform perhaps. Let's go through this then. But, because look, you've got props. You've got you've got Ainsley or Cameron Orr and Pone Falmasili versus smaller but potentially more tech, um, technically proficient in Tom Robinson and Harry Johnson Holmes potentially. Um, so scrums still be interesting. They'll still have a heavier scrum for the Rebels. Um, Tommy Horton versus Jordan Ulysses. Um We've seen the problems that Ulysses had at Larnet Town. The Waratahs potentially could be a bit more. Um, of a danger f- to take some off the Rebels in their line-outs. Um, 
the second row, it's it's sort of a little bit of a muchness Probably for muchness balanced. there. Yeah, fairly yeah. balanced. And, and the back row, you'd probably give the edge to the Waratahs, I think, at this stage. You've got Dempsey playing well. Swinton, maybe not at his best last week, but you've seen a little bit better. And Hooper, obviously, tirelessly work rate. Um, and is looking like he is getting a little bit more into pilfering, even if it's still only a couple of times a game. Just for old times' sake. You, you've got untested nine tens. You'd expect probably Lamani and um, Deegan to be again who it's going to be. And then that's versus uh, Jake Gordon, um, Will Harrison. Look, I'd probably take Gordon, Will Harrison for that. I think they're probably a bit more of a um, attacking threat at least. And then it comes down to where's where's the points going to come from the Rebels? I mean, Tamua should still be there trying to set up some of his outside men. It's going to be sort of a lot of onus on Tamua, Korobiti, Hodge, I think, to make some breaks here. Um, unless you're thinking that um, they're going to play a really tight just kicking game and just kick penalties over. I think I just talked myself into taking the Waratahs. Yeah, I, the Rebels are, on paper, they sh- just should be better. Like, if, if we've got... Carmichael Hunt was a late withdrawal. They had to put Fichetti in. Um, you know, you got Newsom playing on the wing. He's, he's you know, fair, but he's he's not stellar. Uh, versus Korobiti, who is obviously our, our incumbent Wallabies and first pick in, in some ways. Like, Callaway, I think, has been good, but is he actually playing at, a, at a, a level above his opposition. Where's, where's Hodge going to be playing? Is, is DHP's not back, is he? Uh, not as far as I know. Um, it's getting towards the time where they thought he would be back towards the end of the yeah. Super OBAU, but yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about it. So, oh, it's just like, who's in better form? Who do we think's in better form? So the Waratahs are coming off a loss to the Brumbies. The Rebels have had the week off. Yep, but they prior only scored prior, three points the week prior versus the Reds. That's that's what I was going to say. Prior to that, they had a pretty weak showing against the Reds, so they've had time to recoup, prepare for this game. Geez, a coin flip for me. I I think I'll take the Rebels by one at a zero confidence level. And I'll put a ten percent confidence level in the Waratahs by three. All right, so there you go. In depth really, you know, definitely, definitely take your gambling tips from us this weekend. We've got all sorts of good reasons to stay right away from this <laughs> game. It could definitely go either way, but I guess that's what's exciting. Like, this should be a good contest because both teams have a lot to to gain. Uh, the Waratahs certainly only have this one opportunity now yep. to get themselves in the finals. It's do or die. Uh, a lot of guys who'd be wanting to make the Wallabies and, and not wanting to end the season early. Um, will they will they be rebounding from the Brumbies? Will the Rebels be rebounding after the bye? Get your coin out. That's it. Should be a good one. I'm, I know I'll be tuning in because I think it it will still decide um, quite a lot, and it will tell us a lot about um, where which players are destined for sort of the higher honors this year. I think if some of these guys do step up, it will make a difference because. These are a lot of guys that are sort of on the edge of that squad. Yeah, and a lot of guys will be facing their opposition for the edge of that squad. So, uh, no, it should be good. Honestly, I think uh, I think we actually needed Toby today to help break that 
that weird deadlock. He would have had some obscure reason to pick the Rebels by 20. <laughs> key matchup? Do you have a key matchup in this one? I think probably, given the Waratahs' uh, changes in the centres, it's going to be key that the Rebels dominate that contest in the middle of the field. If Tamua continues to play well at 12, um, and he's up against either Carmichael Hunt or Fichetti, or you know potentially Joey Walton, like there's there's ample opportunity to yeah. exploit exploit the Waratahs there. No, absolutely. Um, I think that's absolutely. that's probably a, a channel that the Rebels really need to dominate, and and you can put a lot of people at that channel. You can create a lot of different yeah. plays with Marika coming in off the angle. Um, obviously, Hodge coming in at pace. Um, or some of your throw, big men throwing like it out. Trevor Hosea or um, Nicerani running at that well, sort Nicerani, of line. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. So, uh, look, th- those guys, uh, I would expect they will focus on that channel because it's it may be the weakness uh, for the Tars. Um, I think Will Harrison stood up pretty well at 10, but maybe coming down the channel 10-12, especially if it's someone like Joey Walton. I think he's been a bit hot and cold, looked a bit better this week, but still not consistent. Um, the, that's that's the matchup for me. And, and that kind of shines a light on Tamua at 12, which I think is the only position he really is contesting the Wallabies for. And obviously, I, it's not where I want to see him, but we need to have some backups. So I want to see everyone um, compete and play well. As we always do. Now... Now is when we would be talking and previewing the All Blacks North vs South match, but as I sort of highlighted last week with sort of the lockdown in Auckland, um, there was a thought that they were going to have to play without the Auckland-based players because the, they weren't going to be allowed to leave the city. Um, rather than do that, and because they don't have actually any current international matches lined up as yet, they've decided to push that match a week um, with the plan that Auckland's uh, level three lockdown will finish on Sunday and the Auckland players will be able to travel down to Wellington uh, to attend uh, training with with the rest of the squad. Um, At this stage, it still may be that they don't have fans in the stadium for it, um, but they're hoping potentially if there is some ease of restrictions, they they might be able to get fans in, particularly just because the New Zealand rugby needs, needs a bit of an economic boost um, after not having any sort of international matches to co- collect any sort of revenue on. Um, but even so, that means we're another week away from that, um, which gives us a little bit more time for some of these players to recover uh, from Super Rugby Artiloa, um, which probably means you're going to get better full-strength teams in this. So a week again to wait, which is a bit disappointing, but the game will, will be better once you once you get the full squads in. Yeah, absolutely. It, it serves its purpose best if it's if it's got everyone able to be included. Um, it, what's what's next? Side note: What's next for New Zealand rugby? Like, how far can they push this thing? In terms of Super Rugby, or so how how far could New Zealand rugby push the the North South game? Because so... presumably that they've got other plans for international season or whatever's coming next. I'm not across it. So their sort of plan was they were hoping to get a Pacific 15 um, into play, whether they were looking at whether they're getting a national um, team from the Pacific Islands, whether it's a Fijian and Samoan team to come play the All Blacks. 
I think they were seeing some difficulties with players obviously moving um, from there or from Europe to come and play in that. So they were going to put together a bit of an amalgamation team with some players that um, were based in New Zealand already as a sort of Pacific Islands 15, which we've seen sort of those sort of things come up before. I know they had been in sort of talks to try and get other international teams over. I don't think they had any sort of takers at this stage. So it's really whether they have that sort of game coming, whether they make a bit of a series with that game. And other than that, there's still sort of those aims for October with the Rugby Championship and New Zealand is still looking to act as the hub uh, with South Africa and Argentina and Australia to come across with obviously extended playing squads because they won't be able to um, supplement. All those teams will have to come through doing uh, quarantine before they're led into the country and then play in sort of that sort of central hub, whether that's in front of fans or not, it remains to be seen. Yeah, okay. So I guess there's still a lot of options. It'd be good to see this game go ahead and, yeah, let's let's just hope the, the hub situation can, can come together because it'd be a real shame after some of the rugby we've seen at times out of the Australian competition, but certainly all the way through the New Zealand Super Rugby competition, for, for there not to be some internationals to, to see the the best of the best face up against each other be be very sad in a year that really needs a few more cheerful moments. I know, and it's all our valuable analysis would go to waste if we don't get to see who a Wallabies <laughs> 23 actually is. Uh, I think some people consider it a waste already, but certainly no, I'd be, I'd be disappointed if, um, if, if the question of whether uh, McDermott... And, and James O'Connor starting combo or the Simone TK center combo or my my beautiful back row that I want to see if that if that gets left unanswered I'll be I'll be having you know nightmares for weeks well this is a stage Australia rugby Australia if you're listening put together even just like the wallabies 15 versus gold 15 just so we get to see who Rennie would pick as in his 23 even if it if it means that it's the last game of the season rather than going overseas to the UK, give us something. Give us something for 2020. We need something. That's about all we need to go through today. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Remember that you can find all the latest um, info and make your own tips for the weekend at Instagram on Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Uh, and make sure you're tuning in to us and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for stopping by. I'm Ron Burgundy. And keep on running. Run.